Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed Podcast. So we're going to do kind of a two-parter here on uh, on the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6. But before we do that, we just kind of want to talk about where Jason and I came from or are coming from or where we currently are in our in our prayer walks and our prayer journeys because it, it is a journey. If you spent any time trying to work through your prayer, prayer life, you, you'll know that it's not a static thing. It's not something that is, you know, doesn't change. It, it is... Uh, it is constantly evolving, getting better, getting worse, going through hills and valleys. And so, uh, Jason, just kind of talk to me a little bit about what, what, what is your perception of prayer? I was raised where, uh, we, we met three times a week as, as a congregation. And, uh, there was a lot of repetition in the prayer phrasing. If I were to say phrases, you, being of a different generation, may not have, have heard them, but I know people in my generation, I could list off four phrases right now that would be like, oh yeah, I heard that in almost every prayer, even in the same service. Four different people might pray, and all of them will use these three to five phrases, you know? I'll sing, Daddy God, would you please? No, no. that never <laughs> happened. I, I once saw a man get publicly chastised for saying uh, that, but that's another story. So the... Um, yeah, yeah, that idea of routine. Um, we would pray at night. Uh, I pray at night with my mom, um, but but it was very much this is what you do because you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was very little emphasis on developing a relationship with God. Matter of fact, even that concept was in, in the so this is the early seventies. That concept was very suspect among most of the people I, I, I knew. We never would talk. We never talked in those terms. Like, I remember even being in the Army at 20, 21, where there was a man that would ask me, how's your walk with Jesus? And I thought, oh, that shows you're probably not really a Christian <laughs> because of the way you're asking that. So now, over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, um, very much it's this ongoing that I remember hearing prayer without prayer praying without ceasing or, you know, like David will say in Psalm 1, meditating on the law day and night and and realizing, wait a minute, how do you do that and keep a full-time job and this kind of thing? And I feel like I've moved into that space more and more. Um, I will read something every morning that's brief and then ponder that and pray. Every time I have anxiety over anything or thought over everything, I've, I've really tried to discipline myself to turn it immediately to prayer. This con- So it's much more conversant with God, um, expecting him to answer. Um, mm-hmm. I hear very little in concrete audible response, but I do have thoughts come to my head that I've never had before. Sure. And I consider that part of the way the spirit works. And sometimes it's because I'll be thinking about something and, you know, a trusted friend like you will say something and I'm like, man, that's what I was praying about yesterday. Yeah. I, I, I perceive that as part of his, uh, conversation. So to perceive it as an ongoing conversation I would have not even been able to conceptualize that when I was 20. It would have seemed probably heresy. Um, but uh, now it's more and more of a flow in my life. What mm-hmm. about you? No, that, that's really good. So for me, you know, I think when I when I kind of came to know Jesus for who he was, there was almost that immediate 
interest in that sort of earnest pursuit of continual praying. And, and as I kind of began to devour and learn as much as I possibly could, that, I mean, that was something pretty quickly that came for me, uh, just that continual conversation. And it's one of those things that when you are, when you're studying the word in an authentic way and not in a way to bolster yourself or to come off as smart or, you know, to get all the right answers, you can't help but just take it to God. You know, when you read something and you, you try to be as real and authentic as possible, it almost just a, a conversation with God naturally springs up. Um, and this was well before Mason Perplex was even a thing, even possibly before we were meeting every single week. But for me, just that natural conversation of like, God, I'm not sure about this. Like I even be able to say like in my mind, I'm completely confident in who you are. I'm completely confident in what you've done for me, but I just, I don't know what to do with this. And, and just continually putting that out in front of me. And that's the sort of relationship that, you know, I've tried to have, continually since then and um with the job i have in the mornings working at ups it affords me just a lot of awesome opportunities just to kind of keep presenting got things to god in a, in a very distinct time and place um but for me just recently in the past few months since indigo has been born my prayer life has drastically shifted um there's so much uh less time for existential thoughts there's so much less time for ethereal pondering or, or philosophical um meanderings that my prayers have become much more i would say urgent it's not even they're not even as much conversations but more just pleading and crying out to god for whatever relief or whatever um whatever it is that we're, we're praying for in the moment and you know i think there's a part of myself maybe five years ago that would have been like would look at this version of my prayer life like that's a failure that you know you're not having that continual walk and and, and there is definitely a part of me that yearns to get back to that mindfulness that i had maybe you know six seven months ago but as i've kind of begun to, to ponder it it's a, it's a sort of prayer that i haven't prayed before just that deep guttural sense of like god if you don't do something in this moment, if you don't do something in, in the next few moments, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to survive. If you don't give me something, if, if you don't come through in some sort of way. And it's challenging because at some points I don't see him come through. At some points I don't see, I don't see the fruit or I don't, I don't hear, hear the voice. But in other times it is when we get through a particularly horrible night and, um, or make it through some sort of really hard scenario that it, it has been comforting. So that's kind of been my, my walk and just even this drastic shift that's that's changed in the past past few months and so yeah I, I I I'm always fascinated um fascinated by prayer and so I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, I I think you know as we as we read so we're in Matthew six and one of the things that I would encourage um, if you're listening to this and if you have a different point of view I'd love to to hear it. Uh, but one of the things to remember is when something is said in the Sermon on the Mount. It is, it is absolutely true, Jesus is saying it, but also he is presenting a contrast because he's talking to people that were very confident in the system, the Levitical system, and he's saying the Levitical system was inadequate. I mean, because God worked through it, it was what it was, it was, what it was to be, you know, and God used that, but the Levitical system was looking for a savior. The Levitical system was looking for a, an answer, and especially in five where he said, hey, you've heard it said this. But I'm telling you, it's much deeper, meaning you thought the yardstick, this was success, and I'm telling you, that was just the beginning, you know? And so with prayer, in this chapter here, he's talking about a lot of what we would consider spiritual disciplines, and he's saying, look, there's a way this has been practiced, and I need you to understand, there's, it's, it's fine, but you need a savior, and here's how you relate uh, with that. And so it, it, is in, it is important to me to contextualize that as he's talking. 
Uh, it says in verse 5, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So, Connor, in that lead-up to what we'll look at next week, uh, what amazes you about this, this that Jesus is sharing here? Most people interact with their faith in, in a very public setting. So very similar to your upbringing, when we think about relationship with God, when we think about religion or you know higher purposes, it, it comes to the to the magic hour, it comes to our small group, or it comes to our Wednesday night, you know, gathering. And I, I mean, those are those are good. You know, we are commanded to gather and commanded to celebrate and worship together, and, and it's all good and important. Um, but I think there is a paradigm shift here for very much the people that Jesus is speaking to, and I think in if we let it in our own hearts that God, Yahweh, the Father, is a God that is not just concerned with what happens in public, is not just concerned with how you carry out your, not not just concerned with how you carry out your religion um, in public and not even just con- concerned about how you carry out your religion in your private life, whether you're committing adultery, whether you're hating, whether you're you know not giving, like he cares about those things very much. But the fact that there is, is even a deeper, uh, a, not, not a deeper concern, but even a deeper layer to things that God is so concerned that he is so, um, he, he wants to hone in so much on the idea that he is a personal God, that he sees you in, in the privateness and not in like a way of like he sees what you're doing and he's going to put you know coal in your stocking, but then he sees you and he's accessible to you Man, I, I think f- for the Jews that would ha- would have heard this, this would have been a mind blowing, radical idea for them. And I think, I think because of you know the language we have growing, we we have kind of sprung up around American Christianity. It doesn't, it's not going to hit us in the same sort of way. But the way we practice our religion, the way we practice um, our relationship with Jesus, so much of the time is so public that I feel like a lot of times we lose sight on how incredible and amazing it is that we have a God that is interested in what we have to say in the closet. That is an idea that is just, is absolutely, it's unfathomable that God would care what I would have to say in a closet Mm. by myself. Right. Yeah, and if you've ever prayed with with people, I, I have a prayer story, and bless these men's heart because they were the only connection I had with people my age uh, in my situation that that were interested in the things of God. I but I was invited when I was in the army. I was invited to a prayer time, and I if you know my story in the army, I was very disinterested. But there was a lieutenant that kept reaching to me, and he was like, "Hey, we should go to this prayer time," and I'm like okay, because I was a PFC and he was a lieutenant, and I'm like, okay. And uh, so we go, and we get there, and there's uh, they're all military, um, very kind. They're listening to instrumental music. I and mean, if you know my background, I was taught that was the devil's work, you know, so I'm already, I already realized I'm in the lines, didn't functionally here, you know. <laughs> so, um, so we get in a circle finally, and we're all, which is, odd to me i wasn't raised with the youth group i was you know what i mean so a lot of these would be common to people raised in churches but it was odd 
And but I'd prayed before, obviously, and I'd even prayed in public a time or two, you know. So I get in this circle, and the guy to my right uh, prays first, and it goes counterclockwise, and so I'm the last prayer. And I mean, these guys, every guy gets louder and louder and louder. <laughs> and they're not speaking in tongues, but it does certainly have a charismatic feel, which sure. I'm fine with it, you know. And I'm I'm enjoying some of the things they're saying, and I'm I'm encouraged by it. And I'm like, man, good good for you. I mean, you're really proud of your relationship with God. That was still new to me. And so it gets to me, and I'm telling you, I prayed the loudest I've ever prayed in my life without just shouting, you wow. know. So I finish. I finished praying, and you could tell, nope, didn't do it, didn't do it. <laughs> so the guy that prayed first, he prays again, and I'm in his volume. He wasn't screaming, but somehow he was twice as loud as me. I mean, it was, it almost hurt my ears. It was so loud, and I mean, everybody's into it. It's, it's not a frenzy. We're all very controlled. We're all just standing there holding hands, you know, um, in this circle, we are, I mean, we're, we're holding hands, but of course, snakes were in a world. <laughs> well, I, I never mentioned the snakes or any wildlife involved. That's just part of my code. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, yeah, and, and so, and then it was done, and everybody's really excited, and they felt really good, but it was a clear signal to me, not enough. I, I wasn't enough. I, I, I messed up the flow they were doing. And I've wondered a lot, how much do I think that way when I'm praying publicly, like even now? Mm-hmm. How much am I saying, man, I, I want to make sure I perform well here. And so for me, what amazes me, and it, it, it taps in, it's similar to you, but if you're describing by these verses solely, if you're describing the ideal prayer, it's fascinating to me. Number one, n- not a guy that impresses in public. <laughs> Number two, few words. That's mm-hmm. interesting. You know, because if you imagine a guy get up and say, hey, would you pray for our, our service or whatever? And they go, God, bless us all. In Jesus' name, amen. You'd be like, oh, we should have got somebody else. You know what I mean? <laughs> Few words. Um, and somebody that's confident that God knows what you need before you say it, which that raises all kinds of questions. Yeah. But this, th- what he's saying is the inexperienced person that that is authentic and honest, no posturing, you know what I mean, that is confessional, because a hypocrite is somebody that's saying one thing but, but lives somebody else, so it's the opposite. Hypocrisy is the opposite of authenticity. And so the guy that is satisfied to be alone, say a few words, mm. not praying for hours necessarily. There's nothing sinful about it, but it's this idea that you're not saved by your words. You know, now, now clearly we put in this and, you know, a, a bit of, you know, we, we want to frame this by Jesus went out once and started praying because he was going about to choose his apostles and he ended up praying all night. But he didn't have an all-night prayer practice. And we made this point over and over again. There was just enough there that, that consumed him that kept him praying. Now, there are other times it's obvious he prays for a while. And, of course, the very next sentence after this text says, you know, here's how you're going to pray. And in, in Luke, I think it says, hey, teach us to pray is yeah. how that part of that conversation. And so they clearly identify Jesus as a praying person. But what he's saying here is, this is not about satisfying anybody else. It's not about praying right. It's about praying honest, trusting that God knows what you need, and actually a goal. It's not to pray with as few words as possible, but to never think, I need to add more words. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and, and it's balanced. That can be misused clearly because we could condemn the person that prays long at, at any church service, you know, and, and that person does need to be, and, and if that's me, I need to be looking at myself and say, why am I pre- praying so long? Yeah. Is because I feel like I got to get everything in the right, in the right order, say it right. I don't want to offend anybody. Or is this me talking to God as if I were in a closet? 
Hmm. And that that's very that's amazing to me. Nobody ever told me, hey, like in churches, they're not going to say, hey, be like a Pharisee or be like a pagan and just go on and on and on and recite phrases that you may not even know what they mean. You know what I mean? That nobody, no church is saying that. But the practice, and as a kid raised around that, you're like, oh, I, I want to be a great prayer because they respect, oh, brother such and such prays so well. It usually meant he prayed long in my world, and it usually meant he quoted a lot of scripture while he was praying. So I think this gets to why intense intimate discipleship is so important because if especially just you think take your average teenager who you know his parents are involved in church but you know they, they got busy lives and so he connects to god mainly through a sunday morning in his youth group on wednesday what prayer kind of prayer does he hear most of the time he's hearing that i'm not saying it's all sinful but he's hearing you know the person who sounds really right who has all the right words who can who can not perform but you know by by the worldly standards can sound good and and can make the service or the wednesday night time um flow in the right way and and direct the prayer in the right way and, and is a seasoned professional in it but when we look at how jesus says like what a good good prayer a good prayer is that's always such a hard hard right, thing to yeah. say uh, when, when we, we look at what Jesus says um, who is a good prayer and, and what defines that it's somebody who is naturally not going to seek the limelight who is naturally at their best going to be alone and so how do we how do we demonstrate like how do we learn to pray like this it's by it's one obviously by the Holy Spirit and, and earnestly seeking seeking God but two it's I think by imitation, it's by seeing um, how others do it. It's seeing how, because like I, when I worked with kids, I don't know how many times we talk about praying and kids would just be like, I don't know how to pray. I can't do it. I don't know how to pray. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we modeling for people who are beginning to follow Jesus? For most people, when they get plugged into a church, we're modeling for them. Um, I, I think we're modeling for them this standing out in the corner and praying with so many words where when we have intimate discipleship, when we have deep connections and, 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 you know, whether it's, um, you know, a two person relationship or, you know, a, a three or four person small group setting where we can actually begin to see what does this humbly, earnestly, um, you know, praying in your closet look like it can be accomplished on a Sunday morning, but I think it's just a lot harder to demonstrate because mm-hmm. of just the natural draws away from that, from the, uh, from the need to perform, from the need to sound right, from the need and the pressure of have needing to have it all put together. But when we size it down to a intimate discipleship relationship, man, I think we can hone in a lot deeper on what does it actually mean to, to seek God earnestly? What does it actually mean to seek his face um, in prayer in a humble and non-hypocritical way? It is. And, and so one way to say that is my prayer life publicly should be an overflow of my prayer life privately. Matter of fact, one way you could say it is every prayer I offer should be, now you have level of confession that you have to make sure can this container whether this be a, another individual or a whole congregation or the whole world if you're saying it you know to s- social media or whatever but can they handle this level of honesty so we're always gauging that and in, in our private conversation we do this all the time where i i know connor i trust connor i mean i know you're here i'm not <laughs> i trust you uh you know so i naturally without even thinking about it i can share things because I trust you'll interpret them from a certain point of view. But if you're a stranger, mm-hmm. I immediately, it's not that I'm choosing not to trust you. It's like, oh, this this relationship has proven this deep. Yeah. 
And so for me to put more pressure, the difference between TMI and not TMI is they still say TMI. I don't know. But anyway, it, works. it is can the relationship is the relationship at a place that can absorb that. You know what I mean? And that's that's the challenge is because if your best friend comes to you and says, I have cancer and here's everything that's going on, you take that as a signal of trust. But if a stranger comes up and starts saying that to you, then you're like, oh, you need to get some friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. And and it, and so so in the same way, when I'm praying, I am aware that there are people here and I have to be aware of maybe what they can handle, the level of trust. But it should be the tone of it, that's the key, should be the same as my closet prayer mm-hmm. because I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to God and they happen to be here. So this I'm just I'm just thinking out loud here. If we're thinking in terms of and we're thinking in terms of, you know, like like you've talked about the, the different dynamics of the relationships or the containers, uh, as as you put it, um is there a possibility to demonstrate um like, is that in itself going to turn to more more of a selfish dynamic in prayer? Because when we think about what can hand, like w- we talk about why we're praying, right? When we talk about what we're praying for and why we're praying for what what why we are praying. Um, like, I think one of the, the major telling parts of this um, of this passage is the reality that God can handle everything, and that's one of the most comforting things. When we go to Him, He can ha- can handle everything. And so, I'm just thinking out loud here: is when we begin to differentiate. Um, you know, between praying on a Sunday morning or praying, you know, who can handle what here or there, uh, is that, it could that be, I'm not saying it is, I'm just thinking out loud for the first time, could that be sending a signal to people that are hearing it that, hey, God only wants us to pray at a certain level, God only wants us to pray at a, you know, and we can counter, I, I'm just one. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, I mean, and, and of course, this applies so differently to the situation. If you're part of a congregation that you feel, uh, you know, a, like a real depth. I can trust this, this people. I don't know necessarily every person in this room, but generally speaking, I know this church can be trusted. Then I'll pray differently. What well, let, let's frame it this way. If I know of somebody's sin, you know what I mean? That I know they're struggling with. Well, when I'm in my closet, I'll pray. We're going to give this person Joe. Hey, I, I know Joe, God, I know Joe is really struggling and he's struggling with this sin. And here are the details of that sin. When I pray for Joe in public, because I do have these experiences periodically where I'm Joe is confiding in me, and then Joe comes and asks for prayers from the whole congregation, I'm not going to go through the laundry list of Joe's sure, sins. That makes sense. So does that make sense? That's what I mean by the depth that the container can handle or the group gotcha. can handle. And by container, I'm just using that term to say what what can this group hold safely? That's you know what I mean? Good. So, and part of that simply, I wouldn't pray that prayer. Like, let's say Joe's. Let, let's say Joe's. We, we've had people that were going to. They were they were convicted of crime, you know. And so we asked a general audience, "Hey, pray for them because uh, just this is what they're going through." But in a tighter circle where there's more trust built up, we'll say, "Here's the accusation. Here's what they're dealing with, and here's all the details." So that's what I mean. And and I think we would naturally do this. And, and it's the uh, what I'm setting actually is a safeguard in saying. When I say we should be praying our closet prayers in front of everybody, I, I, I'm I just – there's there's natural modulation that the vast majority of humans would do anyway. you know. And I, all I was saying was, yeah, you wouldn't say it exactly the same, but the tone of it – let me contrast in this way. We all have somebody in our minds that when they would pray, they'd take on either a different voice or maybe they take on the King James Version and say a lot of these and thous. That's kind of a stereotype, you know. And that that's that's an example of taking on a different tone 
than you would take just saying, hey, God, you are my father and I need help with this. That's that's a helpful – that helps clarify it and put it into a different perspective. And also, it just takes me to the mind of like we've all been in a situation where somebody was – uh, you know, it, it's one thing, like if you have something that you want to share with like share in, in a public prayer, that's a whole, that's, you know, that's like, right. That's a whole nother ball game. And I think, man, I, there have been times where people, man, people have prayed um, and asked for prayer in a public setting for like very intimate and, um, and real reasons and just in super con- in a confessional manner and just has blown me away. And like, it, it's, it, that's always one of my favorite things about God is that somebody in their, in their confession of a sin can so, show so much faith and challenge so many people is just one of my favorite things that God does. That's mm-hmm. an aside. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's really helpful. So Jason, what perplexes you? I think the thing that perplexes me, and I find this in a lot of these teachings is just that that his last statement would make somebody it really reframes how i was taught prayer mm-hmm. that last statement of god already they know god already knows you know and we have the education i've received across the board there is this part that to call it a conversation with god it seems like cutting edge you know what i mean so then what do you have that's not a conversation? Well, I'm making requests and I'm thanking him, you know, and I, I've seen a lot of teaching, you know, where you take it from, you know, with, with prayer and petition and with thankfulness. So, so here's what prayer means and here's what petition means and here's what thankfulness means and, and here, here's what intercession means and all these kind of things. And, and I get it. I, I'm not anti those things. You know, there's the Acts prayer model where it's what adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication th- those are fine I- i'm not if if those are simply tools that encourage you to talk with god and for the person that says i don't even know how to pray that gives you a little road map but understand that's that's like starting reading <laughs> you know you don't you're not still reading these you know primer books you know th- those are means to an end of developing real conversation and i think i think that's the perplexing part in me is this distinction in other words if there was no church structure teaching me how to pray and somebody said look just talk to god about what's on your heart and be honest with him um it would be so different but but because of all the teaching dynamics that good people you know saved people god people uh have advocated there is this sense of there's a right or wrong way in terms of the you better you better say it well you know and how prevalent that is so much so that so many people say i don't know how to pray i mean i face that all the time where I, especially with somebody that's quote new to church or at least new to my church when i'm like hey would you like to pray uh no and when i when i when i'm in a situation over and over again i'll say hey is there a reason why well i don't know how and i'm like that suggests there's some way to know how you know, and once we get into the prayer next week, it'll be, you know, even the, oh, pray like God did. You know, I mean, that whole idea of, of you know, we'll say our Father which art in heaven. That's not what he's saying. If you want to repeat that, that's fine. Um, but it's that idea that, that just to be able to communicate without being artificial. Yeah, honestly, it, it it's such a sad phenomenon, and and I get it. You know, there's a lot of people when they get asked to pray in a situation, 
maybe they don't know how to pray. Maybe it's the publicness of it. Maybe it's, you know, they're just anxiety of, of doing something in front of it. Maybe it's, maybe none of it is like, you know, personal image related, but just like a, a, some people just don't want to speak to other people in public and I, or speak in, a, in that sort of public setting. I think that's completely okay. But I mean, this was like, when I, w- when I was a youth pastor, I mean, it was like even like the really connected kids, even the kids that were like really tuned in or, um, you know, t- as tuned in as like a 15-year-old can be, which at some points can be very tuned in. There was always anxiety and always nervousness and always embarrassment. And I – it's something, you know, you've if you've listened to, you know, all almost 47 episodes, it's crazy. We're almost coming to our 50th episode here soon. Um, but if you listen to any amount of podcasts, you'll know that I stumble over my words quite often. You have something to say? No, okay. Uh, I stumble over my words quite often, and it was something that I realized that when I was praying, like in front of my students, that it was something I need to, like, because I was trying to weed that out. Like on a Wednesday night, like I was trying to, you know, have it be as put together as possible and and have my presentation just the right way. And I found that like those pregnant pauses or the ability to like to fumble with my words, one, I you know, it took a lot of pressure off me, which I think is a good thing when we're thinking about prayer we shouldn't feel pressure when we pray mm-hmm. um but too i think it, it helps set an example of of counteracting a lot of what people experience when they grow up in church and what it what a sad thing that jesus talks about here like the least pressure filled thing like if you think about approaching the god of the universe like jesus says like the the, the way to approach the god of the universe is approach him like you are in the, the least pressure situation and so many people instead feel like they have to approach the god of the universe the creator and maker of everything in a public setting where not only are they approaching the father but they're also doing it in a setting where they could be embarrassed or feel humiliated and i think how sad that is and and how often that's that's taken people away from um such a life-giving practice and made god feel unapproachable like like i talked about a little bit in amazement but the radical notion that god is a god that cares about what you have to say in a closet by yourself should be the most inviting practice ever, right? Mm-hmm. Like I get how you could look at the Bible and like that's so much to read. There's so much there. How do I like really focus? Where do I start? You know, what what is a habitual practice of reading this look like? And uh, man, it's really hard to get through some of the Old Testament. Man, you know, sometimes Paul gets a little long winded or whatever the thing may be. Um, but when we think about the invitation to prayer. Like you couldn't come up, come up with a more like Jesus couldn't phrase this in a less pressure filled way. And we'll talk next week about, hey, here's some, here's here's the way to pray here. Here's the spirit. Here's the um, here's the framework for how how you should pray. And I think about how sad it is that people instead have twisted it and made it into a pressure filled, anxiety filled situation. Um, and, and that gets to this. That gets the reality of like. Sometimes I, I know I like like I think God our Father is an approachable Father. I think He wants to have deep intimate relationship with me. But sometimes I can get so focused on that that I can forget His holiness and His and His otherness and His and His magnificence that I can treat this as a trivial thing. And and that's always a hard thing to play. So so for me, uh, what perplexes me about what we've read here today is. Yeah, I think it's it's simply that dynamic found in verse eight that do. Uh, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Um, that That is such a fascinating idea and it's such a fascinating um, concept that I don't really know what to do. Like I know that God is all-knowing and omnip- omniscient and he, he, he knows what's in my brain before I, I even know it. But when I think about asking God for things and I think about, you know, taking requests and, and taking my thoughts and my... It, Here's the thing. If I want to have a deeper relationship with my wife or with a friend or with you, Jason, you're a friend, so I don't know why I separate those two. I appreciate it. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm listening. 
<laughs> but like how I develop a, a, a deeper relationship is by confiding. It's by um, mutual. It's by mutual kind of giving up of oneself, of sacrificing and, and showing vulnerability and, um, you know, sharing with this other person things that they would not know unless you opened yourself up. And so when I think about what it is to approach uh, you know the person of uh, the per like god um this person who knows literally everything the the perplexing part is just is the mystery of the grandeur of god of of how how he could be interested in what we have to say how he could want like even though he knows what we are going to say and knows what we need to say knows how we should be praying knows what like the fact that he is still so invested man i that is such a that is such a not human idea, right? Because like when I get the information for something, when I get the, you know, uh, like the information or something, I'm done with, like I don't need to hear anymore. I don't need to hear, you know, like I struggle with this and maybe this is a male, female thing. Maybe it's just a Connor, you know, being a dumb person thing. But when, you know, my wife shares something with me, uh, you know, some information and I get that information, like that's for me, I'm good. Okay, I got the information, now let's let's move on. But Hannah so much of the time wants to process more, wants to dig deeper, wants to, you know, really hone in on it. And after like a couple times of honing, honing in on it, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good. But for Hannah, there's something really life-giving about the process of like, I shared this information and now we're we're going deeper. Now we're gonna keep going deeper and keep going deeper. Even though we know, like we've talked around, we, we know, everybody in this situation knows what's happening and and you know knows what needs to happen or knows what should happen or whatever the circumstance may be and the fact that god can be so invested in what i would consider like a tedious task what that god could be so um like i think about the scene did you ever watch bruce almighty yes bruce almighty okay so in the, in the movie bruce almighty uh what's what's that guy's that with jim carrey right uh you know he's mad at god and so like he like he says he could do a better job and so god gives him like his powers for a day and so like he gets like he starts hearing all these voices of people praying in his head and he's like i can't handle this i can't do this and so he uh the spoiler alert he makes like a computer system like an email system for all the prayers that come into his inbox and he can like look through all prayers and like i think the joke is like he just keeps on getting these you know boxes and boxes and boxes full so he converts it to email and and eventually like he's trying to go through them all he's like working at superhuman speed but there just keeps on piling up and He's got like, you know, 10,000 emails in his inbox, which is how much I have right now myself. Um, but so eventually he just goes, okay, reply yes to all. And then it causes mass hysteria and like, because tons, everyone wins the lottery and every, it, it's, it's a whole thing. But I think about the tedious nature and how all powerful, like it, it really begins to, like when I think about it and meditate on it, it really begins to reveal how powerful God is and how, um, how present he is that he could be so invested on such a minute, detail level that is such a foreign idea and such a foreign concept to me that it like i'm not it's not bad it's it, it's fantastic but like i just can't even approach that yeah i, I think uh, listen to all that i just think we pray to get things right you know and, and right maybe so i can get justice for myself so i handle it right so i have the right wisdom god calls us to pray to pray to build relationship because it's always when I get something right, and I mean truly right, not just what I think is right, that's God working through the relationship, mm. you know? And that's the difference is what's the, and, and it, so it, it calls us, as many of these situations do, it calls us to the bigger question of what is it that God wants from me? And, and there's, you know, and this is oversimplified, of course, but largely church ha has had the, at least the stereotype of calling you to get things right. Yeah. And God's saying, no, I've made things right. 
I'm calling you into relationship, and prayer is one expression of that. You know, the the other thing I want to just this could be my last thing is again when we frame this in the Sermon on the Mount, he's speaking to a very specific audience about a very specific occurrence, and that is them elevating the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. And one of those marks being they pray endlessly and in a big show and we're very impressed. And so if you're like, well, man, when I pray out loud, I do pray long. This isn't necessarily judging you. Now, you and I and everybody, like even now I'm thinking, okay, am I trying too hard to teach through my prayers? Mm-hmm. Is it really me talking to God or am I trying to emphasize points? Yeah, am I trying I mean? to re-go over my sermon? Am I it, trying to re yes. Exactly. And, and am I trying to be, am I trying to be impressive? Cause I do think, man, that was amazing. Like I just said that and I've never thought that before, but I, and, and it's fine if that's, again, this is about, I, I take great pride in the fact that God of all the God of the universe works through me. I mean, I, that, that's a godly pride, but it's also a, a small step away from saying, wow, I did that good. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, and this is an ongoing discipline uh, sure. of recognizing the goodness of God in us and then not taking credit for it, but giving him the credit, giving him the glory for what happened there. And so don't hear this as an indictment on you. Um, as you hear this, hear it as an invitation, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's talking very specifically about a whole structure of prayer that is formed in Jerusalem that people have said that's a mark of being saved, and Jesus is saying that's not it. You're, yeah. This external emphasis, yes, it was part of the Levitical system, but I'm telling you that was there to basically said in Galatians, the whole law was there to say you need a savior. Yeah, and so we do have to keep that in mind as we study this. But isn't that the tragedy of of so often what we've turned prayer into? Is that there are a lot of things that we can look in the Sermon of the Mount where there's different cultural contexts that doesn't fit super well into on our day-to-day life. But this is one I feel like that, that can transpose, not completely, because it's not the same thing, but that we can identify with a lot in our modern day life. And man, I just think about the things that must make must make God so sad and, and so angry that you know, we could, <laughs> I, I'm sure that, I'm sure that I, like God feels like, hey, I gave you the clear teaching here. And God understands, so I'm not going to go down that road. But I think about the reality of like, of how sad it is that this is this is one of those areas that like the church was like there's this problem that the persecutors of the early church were you know the persecutors of jesus were purveying that they were they were imparting this horrible message onto the jewish people of what it meant to be a prayer and what it meant to be somebody who was seeking after god and and for some reason people in the church followers of jesus were like yeah that's exactly what I want to do. That's exactly how, what what you know how I'm gonna go about my prayer life. And I, and I don't say that in a judgment because I I have absolutely had a in my life had a um had a sinful approach to public prayer and had a, and had a had a different times been like man I sounded really good or man I I, I know I I'm gonna sound really good or I can't wait till people tell me that I did a good or whatever the thing may be. And so I, I just I just lament that fact. I lament the fact that um that there, this is so easily applicable. So um kind of as we go for I'm, I'm really excited to talk about the next step um the you know what what jesus sets up here because i think um for me we'll talk about it a little bit next week for me as i've walked further and further in my faith this the simple the simple prayer here just goes further and deeper and deeper and deeper and so i'm excited to dive into that um, and talk a little bit about that with jason next week and and so yeah thank you for listening to the amazed and perplexed podcast if you could uh, go to whatever 
if you could go to whatever podcasting uh app you use and give us five stars we'd really appreciate that that'd be really fantastic it would help us out a lot uh and if you have any feedback for us you can go to amazingperplex.com and get in contact with us we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear how you're praying we'd love to hear um your struggles your um triumphs the, the things that have helped you we'd love to hear all of that grace peace and love Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.